0: Excited about this. Okay. Uh, hello, hello, hello. You're listening to Batch Signal, the number one podcast in this group, aka the podcast you send to your best friend. Uh, <laughs> AKA, <laughs> hey, <isn't the> right? <laughs> AKA your podcast favorite podcast. Uh, my name is Dylan. I'm one of your co hosts, and I'm joined by my the best, best friend in the world, the best podcast co host in the world, the lovely Kate Miller.
1: Jeez, Dylan. <laughs> <laughs> Every time it gets sweeter and
0: I just get gushier instead of getting used to it. <laughs> it's my design. Yeah, <laughs> we're the worst. <laughs> yeah. They love us. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, all ten of you. Um, so I think this week we're going to talk about Tasha's fantasy suites and finale. Uh, we did it. We made it to the we, end.
0: We made it to the end. <sighs>
1: How's your vibe? What's your vibe check?
0: Um... You know, I I feel kind of neutral. I think hmm. at the you know as we've, we've come to the end, um, it doesn't feel maybe it doesn't feel like a proper ending because it also feels like we're be- the beginning has started. The beginning again started like partway through mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. Taysha's arc of the season, and by that I mean. Like the release of Matt James's bachelor trailer and this, the kind of you know the ex- starting already the PR machine for like that season, you know, which just seemed. Um, and so I think the effect I think, as we've talked about, is I've been looking ahead since mm-hmm. like for two or three weeks, so. the the end it feels weird to be at an in an end here um it almost feels kind of a little bit (laughs) a little bit arbitrary so I think on the on (laughs) on this you know if if I had to say where I am I'm a bit like maybe I would say I'm relieved that it's over but Mm -hmm. I also feel like you know the turnaround is really quick like we're like still in batch mode um and so I don't know there's not I wish they would leave us a little bit more time for reflection. And I, I know we'll take that space here, um, <laughs> but uh, I, I wish. I have a I have a feeling that maybe it'll we'll have to wait a bit till the end of Matt James's season to get um, which is maybe more fitting, um, mm-hmm. to give a real sense of like, oh okay let's look back on what will probably maybe be like here are these batch seasons produced during this pandemic it might make more sense to look at them as like a pair as like one long thing versus these kind of atomized seasons um is just given the time frame um Hmm. so yeah so in some ways I feel like I'm still I'm still kind of I still feel sort of in it you know I still feel a little like I don't feel like it's totally done yet Mm -hmm. um which is maybe not great for Tasha, Cause now I'm just like, I, I'm like, I don't know how much I have to say about you, um, you know, uh, we're moving on so quickly. how do you, What? what's your sense of, how do you feel about this?
1: Yeah, I think what you just said about like reading them as kind of like one document or like one era instead of individual seasons really resonated with me.
2: Mm.
1: Um, and partially cause the season was split up, right? But it does mm-hmm. feel like we're just like churning through this thing. Um, So yeah, I feel similarly exhausted, and especially because, like, you know, I... Hometown's actually resonated with me, despite (laughs) my better judgment. (laughs) And I don't know, like, these two episodes felt like a mess. Like, just... Yeah. Continuity-wise, like, plot-wise, it just felt really sloppy. Mm -hmm. You know, it was just kind of a weird, like... I, I just, like, it's, like, I tasted a little bit of what could have been and, like, the mm-hmm. promise, and I didn't get it. Especially right. because, like, I do think, yeah, ultimately, like, I think Zach and Tasha have a sweet relationship. Like, I do think their connection is sincere.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I just think that got buried in so much, like, nonsense. Like, mm-hmm. if the finale had just been, like, an hour, mm-hmm. like, maybe it would have, like, come across better. But, yeah, I just feel like I finished this marathon and... I'm realizing I have to run another one you
2: Mm -hmm. know
0: right yeah 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 it feels uh (laughs) I love the I love the sports analogy it feels a lot (laughs) like um (laughs) it feels a lot like like the NBA finishing like a couple weeks ago (laughs) and then like all the teams that well a lot of them having to like just start playing again Mm -hmm. you know and I kept thinking I don't know what like the What the one to one for us would be, but I'm thinking of how it's more likely that they'll get injured or like burnt out or like Mm -hmm. generally, um, like kind of exhausted, um, in a few months. I just, I'm wondering, like, what does a podcast related injury look like? (laughs) (laughs) Can you, can you sprain a vocal cord? You know, can you develop vocal fry? I don't know. can we can we sue the bachelor <laughs> for this for stuff yeah. uh...
2: <laughs> we'll try
0: <laughs> um but yeah I, I'm I I wanted to ask you mm-hmm. how you like I guess like hear more about how you think how you feel about Taysha and Zach's relationship as we've seen it and and I suppose um Yeah, like, what is your sense of their relationship? And I don't know about, like, legitimacy, but, like, I guess, like, Mm -hmm. their connection. I mean, did it, particularly, I guess I'm wondering, you know, in, like, the final, in their vows, or, I guess they're not vows, but like they feel like vows. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Did you, I mean, what was your response to that?
1: I mean, it's weird, right? Like, I think, and we'll get into this when we talk about Brendan too, but like it did really feel like the time was short in Mm -hmm. a way that it doesn't always to me. Mm -hmm. um, You know, like it Mm -hmm. it just felt a little truncated. I mean, to me anyway, it didn't come across like she was into Zach until his one-on-one with her Mm -hmm. when he like talked about his backstory, which like wasn't that long ago, at least in terms of like what we saw. And so I just think that that like, I mean, I do think they're into each other. Like, Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, I thought those moments of the finale and like a lot of people roasted it, but like when they walked away in the car were like sweet. Mm -hmm. And I liked their conversations about like daydreaming about going to New York or to California. Um, Mm -hmm. But in terms of like the depth of the connection, I don't know. I think the the vows (laughs) or the speech like really reflect how much they don't know each other.
2: Mm. Yeah. You know, it's like yeah, largely yeah. about
1: like showing up and not running away and like that's fine, but like that's not uh so for listeners, Dylan and I just discussed this, but I like just watched When Harry Met Sally for the first time. And so honestly in my brain, like I was comparing that speech um between Zach and Taysha, like Zach specifically to like the when Harry Met Sally New Year's Eve speech. Mm, mm, and like uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> which i really feel like the show is constantly trying to like replicate right like that's the gold standard rom-com mm-hmm. moment the show is constantly trying to produce mm-hmm. and like why that speech works is because like he knows her so well mm-hmm. right he's say yeah. these specific things and like reason why she's unlikable that she likes or he likes her just like things that are so specific to her that like mm-hmm. zach can't do <laughs> right <laughs> you know
0: right.
1: um so, yeah. I mean, like I said, I it, I wish they hadn't had a proposal. I wish it had just been like, let's date. Right. <clears throat> I don't know. Was that your sense? How do you feel?
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, as with so many things, we were so in sync here. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I particularly appreciate that you brought in When Harry Met Sally. and um, Because I've been thinking a lot about... I mean, we've been watching a lot of rom-coms lately. Mm-hmm. And I've been thinking a lot of and melodramas mm-hmm. and i've been thinking about um the similarities between kind of rom-coms and and like melodrama as like a subdrama of
2: mm-hmm.
0: or like rom-com is like a drama of like a melodrama mm-hmm. and the bachelor
2: mm-hmm.
0: and how there's a lot of overlap between like all of the like these different like um approaches to mm-hmm. I guess like really kind of getting like eliciting emotion from like an audience mm-hmm. and um, I guess okay that's like one thing but
2: mm-hmm.
0: in particular I'm, I'm thinking of um, falling in love and all the time it takes mm-hmm. and how there's always and like rom-coms there's always like the passage of time is really important and
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know <clears throat> I think when Harry met Sally is one of those I think a lot of rom-coms, the passage of time takes place and, like, it's just, like, it seems to average between – you can be as quick as, like, a week or two weeks um, uh, and as long as, like, years, which Heri- – when Harry Potter like unfolds over, like yeah. years. And that's part of what I think works so well about that final moment mm-hmm. It's like, these people – they know everything about each other. They're, they've mm-hmm. really developed, you know. They've they've um, uh, what does Pastor Cal say? They've they've grown. They've grown in love. or they? No, yeah. <laughs> I'm just, gra- yeah. you know, I'm just grabbing the associations, <laughs> like, you know. I'm just, you know, um, yeah. You grow, you grow in love, you know. And you let's like, You know, and uh, he's right. Um, and um, that's. And it it feels maybe a little bit more believable mm-hmm. that there is growth. I think when there's more movement, when they travel, when they seem to are there, are, like their surroundings are different, where it seems like um, hmm.
2: there's like change. I mean,
0: so I think it's more of the change. Like there's a change in surroundings. There's a change in sort of drama, and it I think that matches more naturally with a change in time or the, the mm-hmm. idea that time is moving forward, you're moving somewhere else, that sort of thing. Yeah. And, um, so interesting. Yeah. You know, and, and, but the fact that they've been trapped in La Quinta, <laughs> um, I think has created a sense that time has sort of stalled or suspended mm-hmm. and that the, in this bubble that they've created, everything else around them, you know, where we are is kind of Mm -hmm. moving and, like, falling apart and, you know, seems like, and it seems more real, and then now they're in this, they're, like, out of the world, you know, they're not Mm -hmm. in the real world, they're just in this bubble, and it just seems like um, that, I don't think that works with the fantasy, like, the idea, I think, is more like they're still out in the world and falling in love in the world and, you know, and kind of, like, moving towards this Like love, I think, and Mm -hmm. um, and so when they finally arrive at this um, abandoned set for Mad Max Two, I don't like. I don't (laughs) so bad. Like it just it looked like a place that had just been on fire almost. Mm -hmm. There were
1: literal fires going (laughs) in lanterns, like small ones. (laughs) And I just, I was just thinking,
0: what is this, I don't feel, I don't feel the way I think I'm supposed to feel right now. Mm -hmm. And I feel, um, I feel distant from this. Like I I keep thinking, you know, half the time I kept thinking like, you know, do influencers dream of electric (laughs) sheep? You know, like I was just kind of going like this, I believe that they like each other. I believe that there is some chemistry there. Mm-hmm. I don't believe they have anything meaningful in common, which yeah. maybe it doesn't matter. Um, but I don't know how much that matters. I don't know really what matters to them. I don't know. Like, there just don't seem to be stakes to this. Like, um, totally. I... Zach, I, I, you know, I feel like my mood on Zach has kind of, you know, oscillated quite a bit. I, I think finally I just think of him as um he seems to aggressively live in the moment in a a way that seems really intense and Mm -hmm. I think really works for this show Mm -hmm. um but I don't think that it really means that I also believe that it'll be it would seem really natural for him to say in a year or two oh it just didn't work out you know like you know what I mean um it just you know, if he can just switch in a moment and be like, oh, yeah, I actually want kids now. It seems believable that he could, you know, switch in a moment and be like, you know, actually, I don't think that's what I want, you know? Um, totally. So, well, and
1: what you said about stakes is really resonating with me, just, like, going back to our rom-com comparisons. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> because, like, really throughout this season, like, none of the stakes or like the drama that was presented had anything to do with that contagious relationship oh yeah you're so right right yeah like Bennett coming back or Ben coming back Mm -hmm. like you know like if anyone had kind of like a rom-com-esque tension it was Brendan which like deciding you're not ready for a relationship and going away and then eventually coming back is a rom-com play
0: you know amazing yeah yeah
1: like those are stakes. And I think that the show, I think my guests realized too late that that happened because um, there was that weird moment where her dad comes and talks to her after, uh, before she breaks up with Ben or mm-hmm. supposedly after she breaks up with Ben and like makes Tasha nervous for her last date with Zach. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure that that was a continuity error. <laughs> Mm. um because like i'm pretty sure her dad came to tell her to break up with ben because if you look at the outfit she's wearing oh right she's wearing the same outfit during that conversation that she is when she breaks up with ben later that day but they try to splice it together like it was two different days oh, <laughs> and i think it's because they knew like they needed to create stakes for her relationship with zach when like there weren't any mm-hmm. to get us to that again like rom-com conclusion mm-hmm. beat that just weren't there right. you know
0: yeah 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 uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that that tracks for me. Um, I the other mm-hmm. I think the big thing that was missing for me, or that was hard to just accept, was okay. So you're going to have Tasha saying to us, "Brendan was the one I was going to pick him,"
2: mm-hmm.
0: and then right after that, you're going, we're supposed to accept that she's just in love with Zach, and that yes, you know, because then because. It wasn't going to be Zach, though. But now you're trying to say, like, oh, this is, like, perfect or whatever. I don't know. I just thought, no, that doesn't make sense. You can't have it both Uh ways like that. Uh And so if it's fake, then, you know, so then that's the question. So I was like, oh, okay, so if that was just bullshit, if she was just saying that, um, then, then to me, it also... To so me, it's, it's natural to assume that her relationship with Zach, or the, what the rhetoric that they're spinning, is also bullshit. Like, yep. what you know, if there's no real meaningful distinction between them, like in the way that they're delivered, what are we supposed to really believe? What are we supposed to trust? What's supposed to like really matter? If nothing has to, if you know, if there are no stakes, yeah. You know, like then, it's hard to feel grounded in anything. You know what I mean? It's hard mm-hmm. to feel invested because I'm just like, oh, this doesn't matter. Oh, actually, like you didn't, you know, you didn't seem that broken up by brendan leaving anyway so i'm like Mm -hmm. so i guess i don't care that much um you know totally
1: and it would have been one thing too if it was like a ben higgins-esque thing where like he was really like mm -hmm. when he actually said i love you to both of them and was really struggling with it yeah yeah like if they had leaned into something like that or like taisha struggling and then deciding maybe that would have been more compelling than just like because i think she actually showed her telling zach that she loves him before brendan leaves yes which makes it even weirder you know like yeah, right yes yeah um just that the stakes like are there and then aren't there it just was like not not right yeah. <laughs> you know sloppy
0: yeah it's sloppy and i think um i don't know 100 what to make of this but i did notice that taisha definitely she mirror did a lot of mirroring mm-hmm. um i think it was been all of her days but maybe like specifically with Ivan and Zach I noticed it she just kind of repeated back to both of them what they said so yeah. Ivan says well I'm falling in love. I'm definitely falling in love with you and Tasha just says yeah I'm falling in, in love with you too mm-hmm. Zach says I'm in love with you and Tasha blurts out back like yeah I'm in love with you too you know mm-hmm. and you know with Brendan it-, it seemed too that she was kind of marrying him she, she yeah. says well I'm not really into this, or, you know, I'm, I'm going to break up with you. And she, you know, like, it kind of says, like, yeah, okay, well, mm-hmm. that's fine. You know, there's just, there's not really, and maybe over her appearances, I don't know how much of a contrast there really has been, you mm-hmm. know, with, um, in terms of how she relates to a lot of, like, the men, um, which makes it really hard to get a tr- a real good sense of her, you know, totally. who... She really is, I think, um, behind the performance that she's giving. I think I remember saying to Yasmin at some point, it's like I feel like Tisha's just, she's too self-conscious. She, she, she is really conscious of the role she's playing. Like She is How playing the role of Bachelorette. And, um, and her priority is not falling in love, it's looking good. Mm-hmm. You know, and, mm-hmm. and while falling in love or you know it's just kind of like really looking the way that she wants to look, and I think that's why it there's just in even moments where she might be moved, yeah, um there seems to be this struggle a little bit with like, well, what's the best way to actually express this, you know that leaves. I don't know that, and and most times she does. I don't know. Like again, mirrors because it's easiest. Um, Yeah.
1: No, there's a passivity to it that mm -hmm, makes it like very hard to ultimately invest in her final decision Mm -hmm. and in like any decision. And I think that that passivity is like underscored by the way that the producers kept bringing back in people that she cut, and then she allowed them to come back. Like I think that that contributed to this, like, whether or not she was actually indecisive, like, made her look just very Mm -hmm. receptive, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: you know? And, I mean, last time I'm going to bring up when Harry met Sally, but, (laughs) you know, when we're contrasting her to, like, a Meg Ryan or something, you know, like, part of what makes rom-com heroines, particularly Meg Ryan, so compelling is that, like, decisiveness, Mm -hmm. knowing what they want, willing to risk embarrassment to, like pursue these things or say no to things. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's just none of that relatability and vulnerability in Tasha because she is just kind of like receiving mm-hmm. instead of acting.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, and I think we should, I think we should mention how it all started. You know, she arrives <laughs> yeah. as a second choice. She arrives as this kind of, oh, well, our hands are tied here. I guess we're going to go mm-hmm. with Tasha. You know, Um she, mm-hmm. it, she you know, she receives... I mean, she is sort of gifted, it seems, like, all of these men, but that, like, aren't really in a real sense for her, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, From the beginning, she is positioned as someone who, whose sort of agency and power is really, I think, is pretty unstable. Mm -hmm. Um, And they never really corrected that. I mean, um, it reminds me a little bit of... No, I, I was going to say, you know, uh, Caitlin Bristow and, uh, and her. Yeah. Mm. But, like, hers was really comp- – like, her insecurity and was really compelling and interesting and, mm-hmm. um, I, I think, developed in really interesting directions. And you could see it, like, being, you could track it through all these relationships as the season progressed. Yeah. And Taysha, but also, she was really honest about it, you know. Yeah. Um, and Taysha, you know, we didn't get that. Um, so – yeah, it was just harder to say. Yeah, so uh I think maybe at the end, I just sort of feel unfulfilled. It just seems like yeah. nope, this wasn't it. Like it doesn't seem like a real ending. You didn't really fulfill the expectations or promises that you sort of set up in the beginning. Totally. Um, no, I I I'm really unhappy with that. Um,
2: mm-hmm.
0: As a side note, and this is again to kind of undermine, I think maybe the um i don't know if this is a shot at i don't know if this isn't really a shot at Zach really i think it <laughs> it's it just it, it um to connect the beginning of the season to the end of it um yeah. did you notice that Zach said in his final speech um he says the phrase you spoke about i think twice yeah, yeah, yep. and I thought, Jesus, this is like come on like this is so lazy <laughs> this is what dale said dale kept saying yeah. you spoke about this you spoke about this so it's clear like the same producer is feeding and like coaching mm-hmm. i'd say everybody but particularly these two on like what to exactly what to say how mm-hmm. to say it. it's like drilling it in their heads it seems like um you know showing up like why else you know what how else would you explain the fact that they're relying on the same little phrases the same sort of made totally cliches by the show unless the producers are just like constantly just feeding them this stuff and which again completely undermines their agency it seems like they're just you know they're the producers are hell-bent on like getting this you know ending in a proposal yeah um you know, and kind of setting it back, trying to get the train like back on track and that sort of thing and um and it's very clear to see you know and mm-hmm. and so I think maybe um that was something that brought brought to mind the beginning of the, even like uh the way they shot after they got engaged with the champagne like those were the same yeah. shots they used with Dale and Claire, like same ones yeah. uh and you know so it just again because of that it, it just sort of makes me more conscious of like the season as a whole and like, mm-hmm. the whole product and production of it like mm-hmm. the production in particular and less the individual players and their mm-hmm. stories totally. because those seem like so clearly subsumed by the you know by the production you know and the sort of mm-hmm. their, their clear their clear heavy hand being in everything
1: well and like you said with something about like the setting of the proposal with the Dead grass arches and the flames like nothing made this feel more like a blood sacrifice to like heterosexuality and capitalism than like that <laughs> setting, yeah. you know, and like also just like the eerily long amount of time that terrifying fucking Neil Lane was on screen. The money shot. <laughs> the money shot. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, when, oh. She, when he's just like playing the piano, when Brendan <laughs> and walk in like, I'm sorry, Neil Wayne is a ghoul. Oh, like he's fucking so oh. creepy. <laughs> <laughs> and- <laughs> he is. Uh,
0: I. It's. It was so disturbing. I was. <laughs> <laughs> i was surprised, i was shocked i was like why is he he i was like what is what is going on here i, I just thought this is supposed to be i thought like this was a secret that he yes. has like you know bags of blood in the back and that like what he's actually <laughs> doing is he he's he, like they're actually here to he's gonna here to draw their blood um Ooh. you know and put it into stones or something i don't know like <laughs> into his own ageless
1: face yeah. like
0: like you see him i think we actually see him grow more animated and lively as the blood drains out of brendan's face as as the date proceeds like it's so clear oh. it's so clear what's happening. It's not even a metaphor it's like literally we're seeing this man like suck all the life energy out of these young out of this young person yeah <laughs> oh yeah can we detour to
1: talk about brendan
0: yeah let's do it
1: how'd you feel about his exit um,
0: I. Mm, it's not what he's. I thought so. I thought what he said. I believed what he said. Mm-hmm,
2: you know, I totally. believed
0: him. You know, and I was like, proud that he got out of there. <laughs> Me too. Um, yeah. You know, because I think. Uh, but at the same time. I he seemed my sense is that he seemed pretty ambivalent Mm
2: -hmm.
0: um at a certain point and I think that it seems like producers like wanted they you know they clearly wanted a proposal and Mm -hmm. I imagine at a certain point they said to him he probably shared like I don't think I'm really there and so they just booted him you know they're like okay well you gotta you gotta go you know and um and it's more my issue is more with Taisha. It's like mm-hmm. did she she didn't seem surprised or emotionally like moved or affected. So she mm-hmm. was either tipped off or she just like shut down mm-hmm. in in that moment. And I have to say it's probably the latter. Or no, it's probably the former. former. I imagine yeah, that she knew it was coming. I bet I bet she knew it was coming in some mm-hmm. way. Um, and so again, it It took all of the it I feel like it just sort of sapped that moment from of like an important component of its like dramatic energy is her responding to that in like a Mm -hmm. genuinely like human way. Um, because Mm -hmm. it seemed like he was being like really it, it, it seemed like he was being really real and like honest with her. And so it was disappointing that she wouldn't return that, you know, return sort of the I don't know, that same I don't know, just, uh, what well, does she just want to do the same. Um, yeah. So, so again, and then again, when she's like, oh, you know, it was going to be him. I was like, I don't believe you because mm-hmm. you you didn't even care that he left.
2: Yeah. So, you
0: didn't you even
1: know, like, she didn't even like ask follow-up questions. No.
0: She, she said, okay.
1: <laughs> yeah, she would have been like, there was a point in my life where that would have pissed me off, but this is fine. And it was just like, Tasha, what? Especially because like that does seem like a large about face from how he's behaved previously.
0: Like right. you think she would I don't know. I was like, Taja, he's dumping you. Yeah. He's you are being dumped right now. He's dumping you. I was gonna <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I've been dumped well, one time someone dumped
1: me after one date, which didn't make any sense, but like <laughs> Even then I
0: had more follow-up questions than Tisha did, you know? Like Yeah. Yeah, I did you listen to you did. You listened to Happy Hour. Um, yeah. Ugh. I I so I found him I found him also very believable. Yeah. And honest on Happy Hour as well. And I, I thought the way that he weathered um, Rachel Lindsay's inquisition was—I uh, I thought he handled that really well. I guess it's—I guess it's helped by the fact that it was fucking deranged. Um.
2: Deranged. I,
1: I actually thought he could have pushed back more. I was slightly disappointed. Like, mm. I feel like he did kind of go limp for fear of looking like an asshole. Yeah. yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I think there was like a. But I think in his defense, like you. So. For people who have not had the misfortune of listening to this interview, like (laughs) Rachel Lindsay, it's unclear if this is because it's like production's narrative or because she's still maybe carrying some baggage about Peter Krause's exit or potentially both. But she's done this before with different people. Her whole thing is like, if you're here and you're not going to accept a proposal or give one, you should never take a rose at a rose ceremony. You need to bail. Yeah.
0: I I have a feeling that's a per personal the per personal bill. (laughs)
1: Yeah, and I think it's Brendan did bail Mm -hmm. before proposal time, unlike Peter. Right. And also, I think, like, in his defense, like, this wasn't a normal season. Like, Mm -hmm. what he signed up for was not to propose to someone at the end under any conditions, right? Right. Like, if you think about, like, things from his perspective, he went on this, like, and he even mentions in the interview, like, he was so perplexed that he kept having to get naked on dates during mm-hmm. Claire's season and was mm-hmm. like, is this going to be it? What the fuck is going on? Mm-hmm. Then he switches gears to a different person halfway through, like right. has some feelings for her, but is quickly being pushed towards this proposal very visibly by production. Like mm-hmm. it makes sense to me that, you know, like I wish you would have given a little bit more, like this isn't even what I signed up for. I had to go week by week as I was going mm-hmm. along. I bailed as soon as I knew there was a problem because like, right. I think that's pretty clear what happened. And I tend yeah. to believe him, you yeah. know? Um, and it's a shame too. Like I think if the show and Taisha hadn't been so set on this like proposal goal, mm-hmm. you know, and just let him have some space to like explore that ambivalence or for them to end up picking each other but not having an engagement and deciding to date. Like I think that would have all made for a really nice ending.
0: Right. <laughs> you know, because yeah. I
1: think they did have the best connection and I, I really like Brendan, so.
0: Right, yeah. Yeah um you know I something just clicked for me that I Mm -hmm. I feel like I don't know if we've actually explicitly said it this way um Mm -hmm. but I was just thinking like yeah For so I was thinking why does there need to be a proposal like yeah isn't it just kind of fine if they you know they're in love and they if they're ready for a proposal they do it But they're like you know I just want to you know you're the person I want to be with like we'll get you know we'll we'll, we'll handle that Mm -hmm. and I was like why is it that way and then um a shot bloomed into my mind and it was this it was the shot of zach opening the ring box <laughs> and neil lane those yeah. silver letters blazing across the screen just etched into my brain forever and i thought right that's why <laughs> neil lane is paying for a uh, a proposal and by god he's going to and he also needed to stay alive and so he's going he's going to get it as oh right um okay, and it just thought like, how furious was Neil Lane over Juan Pablo not proposing, like, probably livid, uh, <laughs> <it>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, so, and certainly that's some of it, you know, I'm I'm mm-hmm. sure, too, for the sake of stories, and, and that they think that, yes, you know, this is not a real rom-com if they don't get married, or if they're not gonna get married, um, but, uh, it was, it, anyway, that's a bit of a digression, but I was like, oh my no. God, you know, of course that's part of it. That has to be, you know. Um, totally. But, yeah. You
1: know, it's exhausting. Like, uh, so this is a, a confession. I'm hoping no one is still listening to the podcast at this point, but I, uh, my appetite for say yes to the dress is absolutely insatiable. <laughs> and I have been <laughs> on a huge say yes to the dress bender Uh, Because it was recently put on Hulu. And so, like, watching that, like, side-by-side with The Bachelorette and, like, the proposal advertising Mm. and, like, the dress advertising, it's just, like, oh, just so in your face, you know? Like, (laughs) (laughs) The insistence to spend money on marriage is so tiring. Yeah,
0: Yeah. Yeah. And good for Brendan for resisting the all of these forces exerting all this pressure on him to do that.
1: Um, He's a real hero. Right? Yeah,
0: I, yeah.
1: I actually love that. Yeah. <laughs> where the marriage industrial complex is the villain of this show, <laughs> Brendan stared into the void and he fucking
0: walked away. Said no. Um, and, do you, okay, so do you think he'll ever be on a Batch show again? That's a great question. I he hope says, not. He says, he says, listeners, yeah. just so you know, he says in the interview that he, he doesn't think he'd, he'd do it again. Um, in any sort of iteration, and Rachel is like, you'd be great on Paradise. Oh my god, her sort of acting like the gatekeeper of this franchise is is so obnoxious. It's mm-hmm. it's extremely obnoxious.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I agree, and like I, I don't think Brendan should fall in love on TV. Like, mm. I don't, I don't know. I mean, do I think that he? Has the mental and emotional wherewithal to refuse an invitation to paradise? No, <laughs> no,
0: absolutely not. <laughs> I, <laughs> would,
1: I, would I like him to? Yeah, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I know. I agree. Yeah, I think we'll we'll see him again. Uh, we shouldn't, but I, it's more possible that we'll see him again than than we than we won't. Um, yeah. Yeah.
1: And I'm just like terrified of him getting chewed up and spit out. Like, I know we always talk about, like, Blake Horseman as the example of someone sweet who really got fucked over and destroyed mentally by this franchise, but, like, (laughs) he is one that I would worry about because I don't think he had, like, a, I guess I don't know, I couldn't tell because he's never going to talk shit on, like, Bachelor Happy Hour and he's still Mm -hmm. under contract, but he didn't seem like he felt like he was done particularly dirty. Right. Like, he kind of internalized a lot of his decision making as his own instead of being, like, they knew I was ambivalent. Why did they put me on a date where I had to pick <clears throat> out an engagement ring early?
2: Yeah.
0: You know? Yeah. Yeah. And in fact, I don't think that it bodes well. I, I don't think that's encouraging for his future because what that tells I me agree. is that production knows that he he won't, he may not clock exactly what's going on, you know, oh. before it's happening and that's making it easier to manipulate so I could see him I could see him being part of some sort of weird love triangle where that he doesn't really like that he's not yeah he's not really moving forward but perhaps like two other players are realizing that they can like this like they're he's just sort of being used in this way and that it's incredibly emotionally distressing for him but
2: mm-hmm.
0: and, you know but he's trapped in it you know I, I just I see something like that happening to him where he's just kind of innocently like or kind of naively like oh I you know I, I really like this girl and it turns out it turns out that she's like a total drama queen and like possessive and maybe incredibly manipulative and all this stuff. You know what I mean? It just seems it just totally. seems like that's the kind of thing that would happen to him on Paradise.
1: Yeah, and like to the extent that Rachel Lindsay's questioning of him represents kind of like production and whatever the Bachelor Machines, um perception of him and his arc and not just her own psychobabble like i do think it was a little bit setting him up as this like fuck boy who Mm -hmm. was like there and decisive and maybe there for the wrong reasons to get on the show more which is like so clearly not what was happening and like (laughs) so clearly not who he is but i worry about someone with like that kind of like aura whatever Mm -hmm label to them from production like
0: going into paradise that's very classically mm-hmm. not good <laughs> yeah yeah oh you're totally right um yeah he- brendan is not helped by his looks here uh, in, in that and that it it's uh, unfortunately I, <laughs> un, un, unfortunately it's it's easier to believe that someone who looks like that would be a unrepentant fuckboy than someone who's maybe just kind of sweet but dumb really hot um, you know <laughs> a himbo our a himbo yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah i i want him to I I want him to, you know what I want for him? I want him to star in a Hallmark Christmas movie um, that is basically a biography, right? You know, like he's just, you know, he owns this roofing Uh company and he's just trying to find love and this big city lawyer, you know, returns to their small Connecticut hometown or whatever (laughs) and it's just, you know, and they fall in love. Like this, you know, like that just, he's got, he's wearing like a like a turtleneck and he's you know he's he's dancing i don't know
1: she (laughs) saw him fixing her roof in the morning and blew him off and then she saw him cleaned up at night at a christmas party and realized that he's actually hot
2: yeah (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: that's the future i want for him i would write that christmas movie for him
1: i would watch it (laughs) it'd be perfect Brendan, if you ever hear this
0: (laughs) Email us at uh, Batchingle at (laughs) (laughs) gmail.com I'll send you a a script (laughs) Yeah, I hope he's okay So um, I wanted to ask you Kind of, you know Taking a moment to kind of reflect on the season As a whole, you know, we've been doing that But I just am curious to hear when you think of the season as a whole I'm wondering what if you can think of like the first moment that comes to mind Mm. it doesn't even necessarily have to kind of epitomize the season for you um but if you can think of like a moment an episode or something where you know that maybe in the future you'll sort of will come up for you when you think of this season I'm just curious like what that would be
1: yeah, I think for me, like, on a gut level, and this is, like, very surface, but it's really hard for me to separate this season from, like, COVID and my, like, broader feelings about COVID, um, mm. especially, like, as stuff has come out this week about, like, their actual quarantine procedures compared to, like, what they
0: <laughs> represented them as. Uh, oh, I don't think I saw those. So what's, what's, uh, what? Yeah. Tell me. <laughs> just just tell it.
1: Like, to me, the moment that stands out, I mean, there's so much about this season that like, without even getting into Clarendale, like, which just feels like a fever dream. <laughs> but like, you know, so much of the season started with like the 45-minute COVID montage of everyone like quarantining in their rooms and getting mm-hmm. swabbed and tested five times and whatever. And then both Rachel Lindsay and Ashley Iconetti said that they only quarantined for four days upon arrival. And that after the third day, they were actually allowed to have visitors in their room. So they didn't even fully quarantine for four days. And like there were people brought into the bubble like Hannah Ann Sluss. um, I think other people who weren't shown Wells was there. um, Or was seen like traveling to La Quinta Mm -hmm. but never appeared on the show. Um, So I just feel like to me both with the COVID things and with the Dale stuff. Like the season more than any other has felt like there was so much shit going on that we were like lied to about or that was like mm-hmm. misrepresented in very like intentional ways mm-hmm. um I think both to make themselves look like safer in terms of COVID but also with the relationships and what was going on mm-hmm. and like the choppy production like more than any other season I felt like I'm fine to be lied to it's tv I'm not here mm-hmm. for like a documentary experience but at the right. same time it was just like a little too much <laughs> so <laughs> yeah
0: that's my a big little feeling. too much yeah
2: okay.
1: yeah how about you do you have a big
0: um, yeah, <laughs> yes. Um. <laughs> I, I think more than anything, I feel that um my bond with the show has been severely damaged. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, you're thinking of what you said. I mean, there's a sense of, like, you know, and I don't mean that I... Like you, I'm not expecting mm-hmm. the truth. You know, what I mean is, I expect and want a specific iteration of a fantasy, and mm-hmm. it to be delivered in a specific in a specific way, and mm-hmm. for the expectations that are set in kind of a craft way, the expectations mm-hmm. to be set up and to be delivered. You know, um, mm-hmm. that's what I want, and they've done yep. it well for a decade two decades two almost yeah. you know and so it's it's not just that they completely fucked it up it's mm-hmm. the way they did it the the mm-hmm. se- the attitude about it the mm-hmm. the way that they lied and misrepresented misrepresented things like gleefully it seems like um and um i felt um And I think just to see the triangle of power, like, laid bare um, was not really something I was expecting. And then to Mm -hmm. see, I think, kind of how cynical and, like, ugly it is um, was really um, – and, and uh, I should, listeners, for, for people who are just listening to the, for, for the first <laughs> time, um, if you want a, a full explanation of the Triangle of Power, please uh, <laughs> listen to Batch Signal episode, I don't know what it is, like five or four Triangle of Power to give mm-hmm. an example of what I'm really talking about here. Um, and uh, so just to see that um, was, I think, really, really shifted how I was watching the show um and totally. um <clears throat> not necessarily reality tv in general but I think this particular show mm-hmm. um, it really it really shifted those things for me and um and it, it pushed me to I think consider or think a lot more about the existen what I felt were the existential questions that were the sh- I've kind of dogged the show for a couple of seasons
2: mm-hmm.
0: um those being you know one what are we, What how are we going to, what what are we going to do about Instagram influencers um, yeah. on the show? And, and, and really more broadly, like the right reasons, like mm-hmm. ethic, like that's being scrutinized and challenged. Like what are we going to do with that? The other one being, you know, do we really care if the season is spoiled or not? Like yeah. how much, like what is our mm-hmm. stance on that? And what are we going to do about it? And then related to that, the discourse are we going to j- like what is our role in the discourse are we just going to kind of let it uh, contribute to it but in kind of a balanced way or are we you know or what are we gonna do and the mm-hmm. answers seem to be according to the season um, <laughs> you know I I, so I, I want I I, I'm interested in spending some time on these but yeah my my sense is that the answers seem to be re Instagram influencers we're going to lean into them mm-hmm. um, re spoilers we don't like, we we, um, are not, we're still not okay with spoilers and we're going to try our best to prevent spoiling. And three, um, we want total control over the discourse uh, as much as, as much as we can, as much as we can manage uh, and are making moves to that effect. And the, so more broadly, it seems like a show that uh, in which we're going to see more, like we're going to see the hand of producers more and more. I think as mm-hmm. in this in this era of The Bachelor mm-hmm. um, <laughs> is my is sort of that's my broad like you know ten thousand foot sort of view. What is at least at at, at this moment. Um,
1: mm-hmm. no I'm, I'm really interested i think you're totally right that this is like a step down the path of authoritarianism <laughs> from the production because again like they care so much about spoilers and mm-hmm. discourse and even this influencer question right and like what gives them more authority and power over the narrative than like literally having to have everyone in a controlled bubble
2: mm-hmm yeah
1: which is why, like, this season, I mean, Reality Steve didn't spoil it. He couldn't, right. you know? Right. Because, yeah. um, And with that, too, I'm so interested in that question of, like, involvement in the discourse. Because I do think, like, the Ivan conversations and, like, the, the BLM mm. conversations are, like, such an example of that. So the other thing, like, that you were initially, I think, more cynical of than me, and mm-hmm. I have now <laughs> fully come around to, like, your level of cynicism. <laughs> Just because, like uh for people who didn't listen like another portion of bachelor happy hour was rachel Lindsay revealing that she had like a three-hour conversation with taisha before the finale like largely about mm. whether she had talked to the men about um like interracial relationships and like de- race dynamics within their own relationships right. and they cut all of it and <laughs> rachel was pissed yeah she's and, super pissed. yeah and i think that that does like just gets me to that point of cynicism again where it's like they want to be just right on that trailing edge of history. You know, they want their, like...
2: (laughs) The last wagon.
1: (laughs) The last wagon. (laughs) Like, they want their cookie, you know, Mm -hmm. for, I I guess, like, what, acknowledging, like, Black Lives Matter, I guess.
2: But they don't want to have
1: any of these, like, actual... I guess yeah they don't want to have any like conversations that like god forbid would be just like even a little bit critical of like a white person (laughs) so it's just same shit different day you know but just Mm -hmm. like i think that their stance up until this point has been to be completely like quote-unquote apolitical Mm -hmm. you know or like very like love is blind whatever yes absolutely yeah and it's like they just like took I guess they're trying to like dip their toe in that water, but just enough to like get the batch diversity people on Twitter to leave them alone and like <laughs> literally know more than that, <laughs> and it's exhausting. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, yeah. Yeah. So it should be so interesting. To, I I I think you know one of my one of my thoughts in watching the Matt James trailer is. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, well, a couple of thoughts were, you know, oh, all of these girls seem really young and thin and, like, Instagram influencers. Totally. was my first thing. The second was, like, oh, about James an Instagram influencer. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, you know, is this, like, I wonder if, like, is this really just what it's going to be moving forward you know like is love Mm -hmm. even is love even important here or is it just like (laughs) just the idea of these hot people kind of not even falling in love but just sort of being in close proximity and Mm -hmm. rubbing up on each other is like that's Mm kind of all it all it's it sort of decays into this sort of really sanitized thing um yeah you know, which I, yeah. So oh, uh, that's what I was going to say is I was really enthusiastic for Matt James. Um, but the more promos I've seen and the closer, in fact, I mean, I don't, I, I don't think that, the, that I don't think that this season is helped by its proximity to this season at all because they're very similar. And I, and yeah. if there was supposed to be a true break, I think well, we needed space and time to forget about this season, you know, because mm-hmm. my sense is i I bet we're going to show the same phrases. We're going to see the same bullshit. And yep. it's going to look like a, just a continuation of La Quinta. And
2: mm-hmm.
0: I don't think that, that that association is not good, I think, for for anybody in proximity to The Bachelor. Um, but mm-hmm. that is my prediction. Um, or at least that's how I'm feeling right now, kind of about the the coming batch season.
1: Totally. And I think, like... <laughs> That's so reflected in the fact that, like... I mean, just in terms of, like... I don't know. I was also really excited about it. But I think this longer trailer at the end of Tasha season, like, really was frustrating, too. Like, mm. the, about, like, the evolution, quote-unquote, of its politics. Like, as if one of the... One point of drama seems to be that a girl might have been a sugar baby at some point. <laughs> <laughs> like, <Wow. laughs> we're in a... Sh- the show is essentially about transactional sex (laughs) We're like (laughs) judging someone for having like a different form of transactional sex. So we're like Mm -hmm. not letting there be, I don't know, just like the fact that that is used for a drama point at all is frankly exhausting.
0: (laughs) Don't don't even bring it up. You know, (sighs) why do they keep doing that? They keep, it's, it's exactly like, um, them bringing up Right Reasons rhetoric when the lead is an Instagram influencer. You know, totally. like, like in the same episode where she talks about being in a, describing what an Instagram influencer is. Mm-hmm. It's, like, it's like, stop, don't do that because mm-hmm. now I, I don't want, it's like, I don't want to feel bad about the show. I don't come to the show to think about what it necessarily says about the American sort of like cultural landscape and how God. fucking depressing it is. You know, I, that's not why I'm here, um, you know, and, uh, but, and I also, I don't really feel like talking about, it. I mean, there are plenty of mm-hmm. other times or instances to talk about it. I don't really need the, I don't really need or want the bachelor or bachelorette to be, To it's kind of like, um, thinking about the, there's another sports analogy. Uh, I think <laughs> this is how, like, football fans felt when Colin Kaepernick was taking a knee all the time and they were just really <laughs> upset about that because they thought that like he was bringing unnecessary politics into football and uh, that were already there. And I I know where I'm going. Yep. I know that, uh, I, I realized that my part of my response to when they do that is to go just keep this shit out of here because you, this is not like, it doesn't need to be here. Number one. And two, I think as you've said so many times, the bachelor is not built to explore this in, in, in the nuanced way that it deserves. And so treating Mm -hmm. it like a, like just a piece of sentimentality, like a, a beat for drama and reducing it to that. I think, it trivializes it and it also echoes the way that it's trivialized in other places also so but it's also positions totally. it as if it's being somehow subversive when it's not and so it's just more irritating than not um and and i just i wish they would just stop just stop just stop that just give me this like sanitized fantasy you know just stripped of nuance i just want that's all i want
1: yeah to like not even have the wherewithal to just like stay in their fucking lane
0: <laughs> you know <laughs> just the new lane <laughs> <laughs> but <Ba-doom-tsh. laughs> uh,
1: I'm about to leave this uh, Zoom I'm call. <laughs> uh, uh, going to kill myself. <laughs> no, but you're right, right? I mean, just like letting. Like, I do think there are. Well, I don't know. Do I think there are ways to like remove the problematic notes of The Bachelor from its core structure entirely? N- no. Right. <laughs> <laughs> As a vehicle with which to make people uncomfortable about (laughs) heterosexuality and their views of, like, romantic norms and gender norms, I think maybe that discomfort is good. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, like, uh, yeah, they just need to get their shit together. Like, just stop, you know?
0: (laughs) Just stop. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: I don't know. I don't know. I, I, my feelings about how Matt James' season is going to go are, like, all over the board. Yeah. Like, yeah. Sometimes I'm excited. Sometimes I'm, like, fuck, you know.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's just, like, the whole, like, they're trying to show him on all these, like, James Bond signalers, like, with the Porsche, <laughs> and, like, the tuxedo. I'm, like, what the fuck? Like, I don't... It's not impressive because he doesn't own
0: it. I'm, like, I don't yeah. care. <laughs> and also, I- well it's just kind of confusing
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know i don't really get do they need to they don't need to do that i don't really know they don't need to do that he's just some hot dude you know let him be hot oh sorry he also has an evil job um he <laughs> is in uh real estate in new york
1: wow that's so evil
0: yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> super yeah. evil <laughs> Like uh, <laughs> you're not ready for that conversation. Are you bachelor? Yeah. Like, <laughs> you re-
0: you really want you really want this guy who is like a uh like a real estate broker in New York to be on this show? Great. Okay. just <laughs> to celebrate him. Ugh, Jesus, anyway. <laughs> and of yeah. fucking course he is. Oh my god, of course he is. Right? Ugh.
1: Also with my cynicism or, like, I guess Bachelor's ability to, like, actually, or willingness to have any kind of, like, progressive conversation. Like, okay, Ivan's clearly an atheist, right? Like, that's what the subtext of that was? Yeah, I think so. Why Why couldn't they just say that on the show?
0: Oh, I think it's because they they want to keep Ivan's stock really high because I think uh, that they... I think they haven't decided, um, they're, they're, you know, they're kind of, I think, probably internally and trying to keep track of polling to see who would be the best bachelor. And I think they want to keep Ivan, like, really high. Also, I think even for Paradise, I think they're trying to think, um, consider, I mean, just consider how many, um, how long it's going to take us to, how many, literal people are going to be in front of us before we get to paradise so it makes sense that they would try and keep try and preserve the image of certain people just to kind Mm -hmm. of whether or not they're on the bachelor or on paradise they need to try and get people to watch it and so they're just trying that's my read of it they're just like him being alienist alienist, atheist might alienate (laughs) that would rule (laughs) (laughs) oh my god digression so uh the most recent season of 90 day fiance on netflix um we're not on netflix on hulu Uh, it's actually the one where Mm -hmm. with a woman from Uh nebraska it's one of this it's it's so sad (laughs) oh my god her relationship was so sad (laughs) anyway um and uh there's this guy there who um one of the guys uh is talking about is talking to the best friend of his fiance who's really christian And the friend asks him, like, you know, what are your beliefs? And he's like, oh, you know, I'm I don't believe in a type of god. I actually believe in a higher civilization, like aliens. <laughs> and he and it doesn't stop there, Kate. He goes on. It's not just like, yeah, I believe in aliens. It's like, yeah, he's like, yeah, I believe. He explains and fully articulates his view that what people think of as gods is act- are actually aliens, and uh, oh that that god. is ha- and like the oldest life forms in the universe. And he says this matter of factly very sincerely um without a hint of irony uh or humor there's no cheekiness it is what he believes it was fantastic this I, this is my record this is like my rec for like other things that I'm watching is this season yeah. is Incre- it's incredible every single couple is such a mess it's yes. um it's fantastic anyway so important digression but like so. and that must be in my mind like alienists. it's like That's this man this <laughs> <Literally>. uh, <laughs> um oh like my god I, said, I think i think they you know they imagine their core demographic to be yeah very Christian or at least religious in some way and Mm -hmm. Ivan is not and so Mm -hmm. I don't think they really want to be too loud about it which is Mm -hmm. really funny because also they need to give Tayshia a reason to break up with him so they for some reason uh gave a potentially really damaging reason to break up with him and now have to be kind of mum about it yeah Jesus was fucking again like are these professionals or like what holy god
1: no, it was so weird. And especially like the speculation that took off afterwards. Like, I feel like n- 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 no one quite read that cover. Like, I feel like I saw some people on Twitter, that were like, well, he's clearly Muslim. And I was like, is he? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs>
0: I, don't know. That's, I don't know that that's clear at all.
1: <laughs> I
2: <Like>, what? <laughs> <laughs>
0: To them, to them, that must just be like the natural opposition to Christianity is totally uh. it's like it's so exhausting.
1: But yeah, no, I think you're totally right. I just like uh, I just have a sinking feeling I'm gonna be so disappointed by whoever they pick as the next Bachelor.
0: Do you think it's gonna be Ben? I'm worried it's gonna be Ben.
1: <laughs> I.
0: I just have a feeling it's going to be Ben.
1: Yeah. It just, like, bums me out because he's so uncompelling. And, like, what else is there? You know what I mean? Like, I feel like we kind of got it all. I'm sick of, like,
0: emotional... <laughs> let him dry.
1: <laughs> yeah! And I, I don't need to see him being, like, uncommunicative. I don't need to see him lobbying for Bachelor instead of getting his ass back in therapy full-time. Like, I just...
2: Mm,
0: yeah. I wonder... I think gonna test drive him on Paradise,
1: probably. Right? I mean,
0: yeah. I think they I th- need to re- rehabilitate him a little bit.
1: I agree. I mean, I think they're gonna have to just because of what you were saying, like the amount of time in between, how long it's going to have passed between when these guys were on and when a new season of Batch would start. Like, mm-hmm. they're gonna need to do Paradise, right? To like mm-hmm. give someone a story and yep. rehab their yeah. image.
0: Yeah. I bet we'll see Ivan and Ben, and oh my god, it would actually be really interesting to watch these bachelor, like several bachelor contenders, yeah. just kind of jockeying in paradise, totally. just to see who can get. You know what I mean? Like, it, and who? I would just love to see both Ben and Ivan both like accidentally um, in lo- like in love, in air quotes, um, mm-hmm. with some like whoever they've paired up with. And then trying to think of ways to sabotage the relationship in a way that makes yeah. them come out looking just like good. Um, and I think that'd be like a fan- actually fantastic gameplay, um, especially if they pick somebody who's also angling for the Bachelorette, and if they could yep. pick somebody who's like, okay, so we both have at the end of this, like we have these sort of future plans. So let's work together to try and get there. Um, mm-hmm. I think that would actually be really interesting to watch and i i hope that that's kind of what we and then like it doesn't work for any of them and it's just like some like dark horse like i don't know not brendan but like damar damar dare <laughs> i say um, who who stock deservedly rises and everyone's like okay we need to get we this man needs to be bachelor you know? yeah this man has a rose tattoo <laughs> only one who got one. I love him so much. He would be the first Bachelor superfan to be the lead. Wouldn't that be perfect? I don't get, like, <sighs> this is so it's so clear and obvious. <sighs> yep. I would, like, love, Damar is the one I want to be
1: interviewed, or I would like to interview more than anyone else. Like, I think a superfan's perception of gameplay, particularly in, like, the role he inhabited, which was, I think, very in tune with, like, what was mm. happening with the guys in the house at the time during mm. this bonker season. Like, I'm sure his perceptions and, like, what he just, like, can put together is, like, fucking crazy, you know?
0: I think we have to reach out to him.
1: We do. I'm so Uh, nervous. We do. (laughs) We should look. I mean, maybe wait till his contract is up.
0: Yeah, let's wait a little bit. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think the only other person there may be positioning is um, Joe, the doctor. Mm. Like, Lauren Zima weirdly was tweeting about him a lot. He's already been on Juliet's podcast. Um, he's got a pretty strong Instagram game going. I think that he's kind of like... I think he's someone that they'll put in
0: Paradise to like test mm-hmm. out, too. Oh, that's going to be fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, to watch them, to see who who would actually work, or who, who production picks. Um, yeah.
1: I just don't think Joe would be messy enough for them.
0: I don't think Joe joe will have a chance to prove himself in paradise yeah. um but i don't think you're right i don't know that that will i don't know if that'll stick
1: no i don't think it will i don't know especially knowing that his best friend in the house was brenton which brings me so much
0: joy but like <laughs> those are two sweet sweet boys
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah i don't want them to fall in love on tv <laughs>
1: I don't either, unless it's with each other.
0: Right. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Which perhaps happened. I don't know. Maybe it's a story we don't know. Um, uh, The only dream. (laughs) Um, Okay. Um, Any more thoughts on Batch at the moment? No. I'm
1: tired. Tired of it. I'm excited for our week off in which... We actually won't have a week off, listeners.
0: Yeah, yes. So um, as a re- special reward for those of, who are <laughs> who have made it this far into the pod. Um, so we just want to let you know that uh, what we have planned for the next coming, uh, the next week. Uh, so we're going to have this episode, which we'll drop at the beginning of the week, um, mm-hmm. and which, again, recaps sort of the finale of The Bachelor. We're also going to drop in midweek um, a um uh our, our phantom night one so this is
2: Night
0: this is our our pilot bef- our real pilot podcast um before we did the superlatives we kind of haven't listened to it in a while but mm-hmm. we kind of just talk about like our vision for the podcast and they're just sort of you know riffing um in a, a pretty spirited way about batch signal and what we kind of wanted it to be and that sort of thing um so we're gonna drop that for you, so you at least get to sort of experience one Phantom Night one, uh, uh, and yeah. then <laughs> and then we're also gonna have a uh, preview sort of superl- superlatives episode um, where we review Matt James casts and talk a little bit more about just you know thinking about the season, um, things to watch out for, storylines, ideas, themes, very similar to our um, first episode for. Uh, Clarentatia season, so that's what you have to look forward to. Um, Yeah, so it's gonna be a big uh, some holiday some holiday presents, I guess for our for our day ones for our lovely listeners. Um, Yeah, so we appreciate you listening, and so uh, we just thought, yeah, nice treat.
1: I'm so excited! Like, I do think um, a spoiler alert for our Phantom Night one. Like, I think we did a lot of like laying out the groundwork of like our view points of reality TV and like mm-hmm. the lenses, which, which, with, which we look at the show. So I think like anyone who maybe is just starting out on the pod and isn't sure whether to continue, mm-hmm. like I think it's a nice starting point to kind of dip your toes in and see what we're getting into. Yeah. Yeah. See what makes us different from all the other podcasts.
0: Yeah, Yeah. you're right. I think we do kind of go on at length about where we're trying to slide in, like what kind of, where we're trying to, what we feel maybe the openings or opportunities for to participate in the discourse are in a more explicit way than maybe we, I think we go on to just do that in, you know, in the episodes that follow, but yeah, you're right, it's kind of more it's clear that like we are consciously thinking about these things you know thinking about this it's not just not necessarily just like oh we're just gabbing although we are doing that but you know
2: so much gabbing
1: (laughs) but there's also something so restorative like I had so much fun last time like deep creeping all of the contestants Mm -hmm. there's something about having prejudgments going into it that makes it Really exciting. Yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like we sort of set up our own stakes for it, you know, Mm -hmm. and uh, perhaps like project a little bit like what we want to see, you know, and so that's really exciting when it does happen. Like the most fulfilling moment for me was realizing that my prediction about Brendan was 100,000% correct. Um.
1: Yeah, you you smoked (laughs) me on that one.
0: (laughs) Um, So it should be, uh, it'll be interesting to, and fun to do it again. Um so yeah, so we'll have that for you this week. Um and now we doing uh SLC? Oh boy, are we <laughs> <laughs> this week was so good and this show such a diamond.
1: I was watching it and the whole time I was like, I bet Dylan fucking loved this episode. <laughs> Yeah, like it just had you all over it.
0: really yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. I. I now. Now I need to know. Like, what were the mo? Were there particular moments where you're like, oh my god? <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, to me, the central, like, the crux of the episode or whatever was all about blowing up Meredith's spot for attempting to be too neutral.
0: Hell yes. <laughs> Ab- it was so, absolutely.
1: It was so satisfying. Like, there's that conversation where they're at whatever, like, um, what's it called? Not Bapo de Bepe or, like, Olive Garden. Like, they're at that Italian <laughs> restaurant. Yeah. And, uh, like, Jen is, like, Meredith is being a politician. She's not talking to us, like, friends. And I was, like,
2: fuck, yeah, she is. It was amazing. It, <laughs> it was, was amazing, amazing
1: because the way they set up expectations last episode, like, we, I, who had kind of been on Meredith's side, as you will recall, was, like... Mm-hmm pissed off by her neutrality and inability to like do anything Mm -hmm. and reluctance to like get messy on camera and the show just like calls her out for it
0: it was i was it was thrilling it was thrilling Mm -hmm. to see, you know because as as you know i have been calling for this Mm -hmm. you know i've I've been railing (laughs) against meredith for this very reason and i'm it's just it was so satisfying for them to say well we're just going to drag you out we can do that and we're just going to do that and yep. um i think jen did a lot of good work in oh. in this way like she i i loved her uh, i love that dinner in particular because it mm-hmm. seems like meredith doesn't even it's like she doesn't even see that she's walking into a trap you know like that was her opportunity that she doesn't it's like that was her opportunity to come clean that was her opportunity to give to open up uh and if she had done that there wouldn't be the ensuing conflict wouldn't there would be no conflict like all we want for you to do is open up to us uh it was like um um married to medicine Mm -hmm. uh there's a character (laughs) quad who Mm uh after a while after a couple of seasons she becomes very she doesn't really bring put her personal life on the screen like a lot of the other women mm-hmm. supposedly do and a big point of contention for her, between her and someone who like seemingly like let, let, lets it all hang out is you're not being like honest like you're not letting this in or whatever and quad just like resist and this is like a this this happens mm-hmm. like for several seasons is like her thing is that she doesn't um she has these boundaries <clears throat> Um, which really long term doesn't really work on the show like that's always a losing battle and so it i was preparing for this to like Meredith's gonna just dig in you know and refuse and all these other you know the other women are just gonna let her do that um but the difference between quad and meredith is that quad had a kind of queen like position in the group so she was allowed to do that to kind Mm -hmm. of set the terms the boundaries and whatever meredith doesn't she does not she does not like she's not a queen so she can't call the shots and she doesn't and it's not okay because she's not adding anything it's fine if you have if you're distant if you're adding something else she's not adding anything so this was her opportunity to add something she declined bad move (laughs) meredith (laughs) bad move meredith as we see oh. Heather and Jen looking at each other, like, okay, you know, <laughs> now, Fuck you. here we go. Then <laughs> you, We gave you an opportunity. It's like, we gave you a chance. And, you know, and then now Jen is going to, you know, go over to exercise, you know, in air quotes here, uh, ex- someone had no intention of exercising. I don't know if this woman has, has exercised in years. So, Why would she? You know? <laughs> um, and, uh, just deliver She starts sowing the seeds, just saying, you know, here. And Whitney just, I loved Whitney because she. It just, I love the way that she just kind of receives it. Like she's just so. I feel like she's just very kind of go with the flow. She's like, okay, oh, yep, all right. So we're you're calling on Meredith. All right, well, I, I guess that's what we're doing. That's you know, here we go. You know, <laughs> and um, you know, and uh, I. So I appreciate those moments because uh, you're right like it sets up they've just done such a great job of setting up expectations of I think of anticipating and seeing like not necessarily issues but investigating sort of like mm-hmm. s- dynamics and like pushing those forward when they need to be and um so yeah I was I was so thrilled I was like yes this is this is exactly what this needs at this moment and they've done it you know Totally. And just like the slow burn of it all. You know, like yeah. they could have
1: led with that Jen flashback to New York reveal.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh.
1: They let Meredith hang herself for like 45 minutes. And then they yeah. just boom like that. And like it's so good because like for me, <laughs> sorry, I have to talk about this forever because I was so overjoyed watching it, but like, um, you know, the trailer for the episode was, like, Meredith is dating someone else. Mm-hmm. We don't get that at all until the last two minutes of the episode. But, like, you just get the slow burn of, like, Jen trying to, again, plant the seed everywhere, knowing mm-hmm. that she's sitting on information and not blurting it out. And just, like, giving <laughs> Meredith the rope. Mm-hmm. Oh. It's so good. And, like,
0: Heather played her part beautifully. Masterfully. Masterfully. They're just so coordinated. I just, you know, look, like listeners. I, again, pay attention to what Jen does. Mm-hmm. She, it is better. You don't have to use and deploy all of all the information you get on somebody when mm-hmm. you see it. It's better just to sit on it until it's useful to you. You yep. know, like like she did with Mary. It, <gasps> it it didn't benefit it. Like, when is it going to benefit her to disclose the fact that Mary is you know classist and you know hates black people uh in the moment no on tv mm-hmm. when all of their friends are gathered when when all of the eyes are on her and mary mm-hmm. that is the time to deploy that information mm-hmm. Beautiful. perfect when is it perfect. the time to call meredith out in the moment no doesn't really benefit her when does it oh meredith isn't <laughs> meredith won't come outside to play yep okay <laughs> And gonna give meredith a chance because we're friends so just give her a chance mm-hmm. declines Okay, well now, I'm going to deploy this information. Incredible, incredible. It just, it, this is this is the highest level of craft here.
1: Well, and while she's like simultaneously fronting her own stuff, like I feel like every episode she gives us some other like mm-hmm. personal trauma or like arc, yes. you know. And like this week it was like her depression mm-hmm. and taking medication. Like mm-hmm. no one can touch her
0: she's talking the talk and mm-hmm. then which gives her a lot of position like she can say I'm doing it why aren't you you know yep. I'm asking you to do I'm not doing anything I'm not asking you to do anything that I'm not doing
2: Mm-hmm.
0: you know mm-hmm. Uh, it's <laughs> amazing <laughs> I just love that you said like Meredith she gives Meredith the rope to hang herself and so does the episode and it's all yeah. like they're all like very like in sync here mm-hmm. um and it seems, I'm just really interested to see Meredith's response to this, like how she, who, who is seemingly unflappable, who, uh, what's the moment where she says, there's a moment where she says, um, I was going to say she's conflict avoided, but there's a moment where she specifically says, maybe it's in this dinner, she says something to the effect of like, oh, I just want not have this conversation, or I just want not um do you know what i'm talking about like is it that conversation
1: yeah it like yeah because it pans away to jen saying her thing about her being a politician and then it goes to an itm with meredith and she's like i don't give them anything to talk about or something like that
0: yeah yeah something like yeah yeah and it's like "Mm, this is
1: oh you know what it is in an itm a producer specifically asks her from off camera it seems like you're withholding a lot of information about your separation. Yeah. And she acknowledges it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's Yeah. 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 It's that. And I was like, whoa. Okay. This is, so this is all right. So now we have a better, it's now very clear the game that Meredith is playing. Okay. Mm-hmm. We now understand how she's decided to do this and mm-hmm. it's, it's been, it's, it's explicit. Okay. We got it. And, uh, how well is this gonna work for her again mm-hmm. spoiler not well this does not work for this is not like that you can only play that role when you are in a position of more power than everybody yep. else and she's not so it's not gonna work nope <laughs> can't, wait to, can't wait to see it can't wait to see it
1: totally well and like uh with that like i screamed from secondhand embarrassment watching the fashion show. (laughs) At the beginning of the episode, I lost my fucking mind. It was so bad. When (laughs) Brooks comes out looking like he just left flight school.
0: (laughs) I you know, he's such a little
2: twerp. I'm
0: sorry. I can't stand him.
1: (laughs) I (laughs) can't either, but like One thing I liked about Jen also is like in her, I in the moment, itm when she like is like, yeah, it's one tracksuit. I've been wearing it for months. He only has that. Like Brooks clearly wants to play both sides of Mm -hmm. like I'm Mm. involved in this drama, but also I'm a child. And Jen's like, you're here to play ball. Your tracksuits look like shit.
0: you're right that's amazing it's like no okay you're out here we're gonna throw shit at you too um mm-hmm. and i I did love the flashback that shows her wearing the suit wearing the tracksuit again talks the talk like okay like yeah. i am you know she's she wears the track and i i kind of remember like oh yeah she did she did wear that um and then i was like yeah and this little gremlin had the fucking goal to try and like shame her I yeah very- i just ugh, i just couldn't like I don't know. I just uh, it, it it seemed. Um, I guess like maybe there is a part of me that sometimes you know. I don't know. I I, I feel like it's <clears throat> sort of. I don't know. Come becomes sort of a trope in some cases when like gay men in these shows express revulsion at mm-hmm. like particularly like female like genitalia sometimes mm-hmm. or totally. um or they they, or they just kind of their attitude about it is just, just like oh you know it's just kind of disgusting or they just find that like vulgar in some way I just yeah. I just find that that always like hits me a bit uncomfortably when they do that especially because so often it's in it's the the kind of object of that is a woman whom they are sort of materially benefiting off of um, totally and i'm just like uh, you i just hate that like having it both ways kind of thing um it's and engaging in like misogyny and like thinking that it's defanged because they're gay i just hate that shit mm-hmm. me too oh god
1: yeah and especially from him it's like i mean all these shows right like i feel like we've talked about this before but like there's a orbit of gay men around mm-hmm. the housewives at all times who mm-hmm. I believe are supposed to be the stand-in for the viewers. <laughs> <laughs> or for Andy Cohen specifically. Probably,
0: yeah. Both of both, a little of both.
1: Yeah. Like aren't we all the twerpy gay men witnessing the drama of beautiful
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> But it's like mm. when then and then when there is that tinge of misogyny and like disregard, it like really takes me out of that particular
2: fantasy
0: yeah yeah Yeah. I I was like that's not my position like I do not feel gross or or I don't feel disgusted I I feel alive
2: (laughs) watching them Uh. (laughs) okay I,
1: (laughs) I was talking to Emily I was like uh for listeners you should know I'm a lawyer and I have a ton a ton of student loan debt as a result of that as soon as if I ever get my debt paid off I'm quitting the law, and I am absolutely going to try to work for Jen Shaw.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. It's so, speaking of, I think mm-hmm. it really hit me that here is a woman just, like, I really thought I saw Jen a little bit more clearly this episode, mm-hmm. or, like, this is her life. So, she is someone who um, badly needs attention. Mm-hmm. And she's married to someone who is literally outside, like gone a lot. Yep. And to compensate for that, he has hired a, a team <laughs> of people to give a her stop! attention. <laughs> a staff at of, of at least four. <laughs> to give her attention at all times. Mm-hmm. And um, and so there are times where like the coach shop pep talks seem are really sweet. And then mm-hmm. there are also moments like when she shares that you know when as as we've gotten to know her then i'm just like damn these are all these like bids for attention and affection and love that she's like constantly getting and er needs and part of the only way she gets that most of the time is through these through these inspirational like pep talks and yeah. i just thought damn like she's really lonely and sad and i and i and when she was talking about being like, dep- like experiencing depression and yeah. um and I just, yeah, I think maybe I just fully, like, appreciated, like, how lonely, how hard really it would, like, her particularly living her particular life, figuring in the last few dealing with loss and all that stuff.
2: Yeah. Um,
0: is, and you'd, I think we have to remember that she grew up in a really large family, you know, and a lot of siblings and was, like, taking care of them a lot. And so it just seems like she seems like somebody who... Um, yeah, that she just needs, a, like, the things that she really needs on a day-to-day level, her husband doesn't really provide and makes up for by, like, trying to pay for that. And I was just like, oh, God, this is, that is sad. I, totally. that realization, I was like, God, I, I feel so sad for you, um, which, of course, makes me empathize and want good things for even more. So I was like, great, it's worth, <laughs> Perfect.
1: Yeah. And like, I do think also it, um, unlike say a bachelor personal trauma backstory, Mm -hmm. it really creates like a cohesive for me anyway, like understanding of why she is also so frustrated with like the surrounding Mormon culture and perceived Mm -hmm. slights by her friends, Mm -hmm. like picking Mary's side, you know, it's like Mm -hmm. she is like both lonely within her family and like lonely within this city and this community mm-hmm. right Absolutely. and like sh- she does need to like gather people like around her in this way um and, but, you know for both reasons and like how dare anyone upset
0: her I, given know. I know don't they understand what she's been through <laughs> totally if they only knew you know I just feel like if, they, if everyone knew then they'd all flock to her side
1: <laughs> <laughs> speaking of flocking to her side We've hinted at this a little, but I also thought this episode was a perfect showing for Heather. I thought she was great.
0: Heather continues to be the heartbeat of the show. She's incredible. I love her. I, <laughs> I, I kept thinking, you know, the way I would describe this, the way I would try and like uh, pitch this to somebody is, it's sort of like you come, you come for Jen Shaw and you stay for Heather, you know, true um, and Jen, yeah. but like, but really, like their sort of double act, I think, is so effect. It's like one of the most effective I think I, I've seen in a while on, on a housewife show um, yeah love and Heather um, I her particular transition
2: in mm-hmm. life is
0: I find it so compelling and interesting especially because uh-huh. it's not something that I'm it's, it, it's not it, it encompasses like so much that I don't really understand or like know totally. about you know I can get the gist of it you know kind of like an abstractly idea and like you know can understand that Um, But the particulars also seem so specific and, and again, like, compelling. And um, the way that she articulates it is so clearly and honestly, seemingly, is, and her openness is, like, really touching, actually. Um, Yeah. And, and, uh, yeah. Yeah, like, really moving.
1: She does feel like we are genuinely catching her in the middle of some kind of bigger existential transformation, right? Mm. Like, right now, she is having the pieces of, like, I need to tell my kids I want to leave the Mormon church. I Mm -hmm. think I need to move eventually. I'm feeling these pulls. Like, it does feel like she has the pieces right now and hasn't totally put them together yet. Mm -hmm. So, like, you're watching her fumble, but you're watching her find herself. Yeah. And, like, I do sometimes worry that she's, like, overly parentified her children. Like, Mm. (laughs) um, some of those conversations of, like, uh, your kid's eight like I think you need to just like I mean maybe like 12 but I don't know some of it's a little she's a little too like I'm your friend not your mom but mm-hmm. at the same time like she's struggling and mm-hmm. I love her so I'm not that upset
0: yeah I I think it it seems um, it seems like an example of in some cases maybe being if if being, if thinking of yourself as like kind of a friend, well, you know, she doesn't really articulate herself as like a friend. Um,
2: mm-hmm.
0: Which, I think in the past, well, I'm trying to think. I don't, maybe they don't ever really do this. Um, mm-hmm. But she has like specifically, I think the way that she explains why she is open about specific things. Yeah. Um, really Mm, like makes sense to me and i actually found you know i was actually surprised to find myself really like um alive to like the kind of long-term stakes and the like, consequences of uh per- potentially for her children for like yeah. witnessing her experiencing this kind of existential mm-hmm. crisis when she was talking to whitney and whitney obs- you know observes that like you know but if you uh you know, you basically that, like, your children are watching you do this, so yeah. you've got to think, like, what is it that you want them to know or learn that, like, they must, I guess, submit to, like, the, suff- the suffocating atmosphere of the church, mm-hmm. or that they can choose a different path if they want to, and I was, you know, again, I was kind of taking it back to, so I was like, yeah, I mean, that's a big part of this, and yeah. so once you later is open with them about it, it just seemed to me like, yeah, I feel like that's an appropriate thing to do in this particular instance, is to be really honest with them about this part. Um, yeah. And I actually got, this was, I think we had watched, we we watched The Family Stone first, so I was already like, <laughs> my chest was ripped open. Um, this confession. is secretly
1: one of, yeah, go for it, you confess. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I
0: have disclosure, <laughs> disclosure, listeners. Um, <clears throat> I I sort of recently been made aware of the a really dramatic discourse of, over the the iconic film the family Stone, um, which is one of my personal favorite movies of all time and whenever I watch it i am uh, i am I become this like vulnerable to every like most things um, and so <laughs> uh, I felt really. I was just, like, really weepy, like, during mm-hmm. that conversation. There was, like, because I just felt, it to me, it was, like, oh, like, they seem to really, like, love their mom. And, like, and I was touched by her being honest with them and being willing to, like, be, be cl- as she is clumsy and vulnerable with us and, you mm-hmm. know, often has egg on her face. Like, I, I feel like her being, like, normalizing that with her children was just really moving and I was like I was just watching I was like oh my god I cannot believe I am crying um about this um but it was really I thought it was really sweet um Yeah. yeah I thought it was really really sweet
1: well and I think it stands as such a good contrast to Meredith's relationship with her children. Like we see so mm. much of Brooks, but at the same time that relationship is defined by her perceived need to lie to him to like protect him from feelings about wow. their yeah. her relationship and her failing relationship. Wow. Hold on, Kate, that's that's
0: excellent. That is so good. <laughs> I just, I wow. <laughs> yeah please go on i was just letting (laughs) i was just letting that sink in that was incredible
1: thanks no but it's true i mean you think about like like so much of the beginning of this episode was like the strain that meredith's lies are having on brooke's relationship with her and with his father Mm -hmm. in a way that like uh um heather's openness about like her struggles doesn't create that strain mm-hmm. like the girls can choose between the church and i think vis-a-vis like their relationship with their father who is still in the church mm-hmm. you know in this way that like meredith is thinking she's doing something right but is ultimately like setting her children up for failure and more mm-hmm. pain you know and it's just a yeah. yeah, double embarrassment on her <laughs> compared <laughs> to the moral high ground of jen and heather
0: yeah oh wow you know oh sorry keep going oh no go 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 oh i was gonna say uh, to, to you know bring in jen um, yeah you know her story about uh, also involves keeping sort of the the scope of the truth a yeah. secret from her loved ones and yep. when she talks about this sort of <laughs> intervention she had and you know mm-hmm. her you know son saying like it's okay you know and um and that um being such a big sort of important moment for her I And mean, speaking a little bit more to I mean and this is more broadly like the expectations yeah. that all of these women feel around motherhood and what their responsibilities are and they're mm-hmm. negotiating being this kind of idyllic motherhood figure and also balancing that with like just being a fucking person and yeah um and it seems like the person who Uh, it's so interesting actually because we have almost, it's like a gradient in terms of the way that these Mm -hmm. women handle it, you know so we have Heather who seemingly is like very open um, and honest and perhaps as a result of that, like her children seem at least seem like really uh, seem okay Um, Mm -hmm. we have Jen who you know, it seems has experienced you know, who who has sort of experienced something like that and um has come around to be more honest, you know. And mm-hmm. I think it, I want to imagine that part of the the wonderful relationship that we see in in with her family is perhaps mm-hmm. a result of a kind of candidness, you know, mm-hmm. and openness that they all have with each other. And then we have Meredith, um, mm-hmm. who, as you've said, lies. Uh, she she's lying and and not being particularly she's lying on one hand and then also um in the name of protecting her children 's feelings mm-hmm. um, sort of screening out certain things um and the result is this is this marriage is this marriage where she is like or this this family where she is over like codependent on her child yeah. and her husband is in a different fucking state. Yep. you know, and yeah. I, I think, I think that we have to include that, even if that's not the whole picture, the, the line, you know, is, as you were saying, like, exacerbates, like, the problems and issues that are already there.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's so interesting, too, like, getting with that, like, what, with what you were saying about the need to be, like, a perfect mother, like, more broadly, I think I've been surprised slightly, um, by the way the show is kind of like showing the characters grappling with Mormonism. It's less about like the specific beliefs or tenets of the church and much more about, you know, the limitations of this idea of perfection mm-hmm. and womanhood and like material success. Right. And mm-hmm. I think like there, like you said, there is this kind of like gradient of the way that people brush up against that and like ultimately either choose to reject it or accept it. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause you think too about like, um, Whitney, who like rejected it right and mm-hmm. is now living this like <laughs> slightly sexually creepy but ultimately <laughs> shown as like fulfilled and honest life mm-hmm. vis her relationship with her father and her husband and the rest of her community and choosing that relationship
2: mm-hmm.
1: versus you know also our contrast to um who's Lisa mm-hmm. <laughs> who is shown basically neglecting her children and alienating her husband in pursuit of this like idea of perfection. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I think it's just such, like, an interesting arc the show is, or not arc, but, like, yeah, grappling with Salt Lake City culture, but Mm -hmm. this broader theme of, like, expectations and perfection Mm -hmm. and liberation through rejecting them, which makes it ultimately a queer story. (laughs) 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 Maybe not that far.
0: (laughs) I love that you landed there.
1: Uh. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know, I just like, I appreciate that about the show. It like, Mm -hmm. it could have been really specifically like, I don't know. I don't support the Mormon Mormon church in any way, shape or form, but I do think it is very easy to kind of like take low punches at the beliefs Mm -hmm. or, you know, have some kind of show that's more like gawking at Mormonism on the whole, but instead Mm -hmm. it's become something much more universal about like Mm -hmm. womanhood and culture. Um, And I think that's partially why it works so well.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I'm glad that you I'm really glad you contrast that you brought in Lisa, um, Mm -hmm. because everyone talked about her, and I think, you know, one of the things that's really interesting about, a couple of things that are interesting about Lisa, I really find it interesting how she sees in Mormonism a excuse to be an unrepentant capitalist yeah um and that and so more broadly it seems that you know we might think of Mormonism in this way as a way that not a means to an end but like Mm -hmm. a um a set of values that that allow for people to believe and live in the way that they like really want to mm-hmm. um and I just find that and, and again maybe because the pursuit of perfection it just matches so well up with like so many other capitalist values uh, and yeah. beliefs you know in a way that's not really contradictory um you know I mean I don't know I don't know much about like the actual tenets of them but you know I'm just thinking yeah. of like Christian like or particularly like Jesuit like ideas about you know like charity or sort of mercy and all that stuff which i mm-hmm. think we kind of like maybe logic like kind of rationally edged out if like what you're thinking of is perfection and if you're not perfect then mm-hmm. you just like don't count um you know what i mean it's like oh wow totally. that, you know what i mean and so um the other thing about lisa is you know something that's uh i think that we've seen is that money doesn't buy happiness Mm-hmm. Um, you know and we can kind of see that in little ways in almost all these relationships um, particularly Heather uh, and I think Jen and uh, um, maybe even Mary this family I think yeah. they seem materially comfortable but you know but unhappy you know there's, stuff, there's other stuff that's going on and mm-hmm. so there's something also really sad when Lisa is sitting there going my goal in five years is to have a billion-dollar brand, and to know, yeah. to sit there and know that that won't be enough. Yep. You know that, that if she, even if she gets there, which she won't. Let's assume that she doesn't. Or sorry, let's assume that she does.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It's not gonna be enough.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I don't know. Maybe I'm just projecting, but I just get the sense that her husband knows that. Yeah. You know? And that it's and that we are supposed to understand that. Mm-hmm you know this pursuit of perfection obviously is goes on forever um yeah. and is something one has to maintain and that hmm. part of the consequences of that are you know it seems like part of the consequence of that can be your relationship with your children with your spouse um with yeah. yourself that you know that that's something that if you really get caught up in that um it will blind you to, like, everything else around you. And to know that this is what Lisa has decided is her path um, Mm -hmm. and is so, like, bullish about it, um, it just – I don't know. And to look at her house with, like, no art in it and her kids who have already accepted that and are, like, their – like, that there's no – all that matters is work, I guess, and Mm -hmm. goals, and, you know, I just, I just thought, oof, 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 God, you know, here's, here's another example of what this looks like, you know, Um, which,
2: Mm -hmm.
0: and again, is not really, again, as you said, it's not like a shot at the Mormon church, it seems like more like a, here's a look at this is what you believe, this is what some, you know, this is what it yeah. can look like, you know, um, in, yeah. in, in a maybe surprisingly uh, unvarnished way, you know.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm going to send you, there's this podcast called Be There in Five with Kate Kennedy, which is, like, sometimes a little bit hard to listen to because it's pretty much just, like, her monologuing about her topic of choice for two hours. <laughs> but she, but she um, has some of just, like, the best Takes on like influencer culture Ooh. anywhere, like, she's just very thoughtful about that economy. And she does a great deep dive on Mormon Instagram influencers Ooh. and, um, kind of like connecting up specific tenets of like, so there's this whole subgenre of like very, extremely wealthy homemaking women on Instagram who are Mormon who are influencers. Mm-hmm. And it is, like, very connected to, like, tenets of the Mormon faith about, like, success and material, like, wealth and, like, there is a level of um, prosperity gospel in Mormonism that I think does not, isn't quite as, like, known outside of the Mormon church, Mm -hmm. but that has, like, really lent itself to, like, Instagram. And also, like, Heather's job, right, of, like, lip filler and, like, Mm -hmm. pursuing a certain kind of, like, physical perfection that's, like, all very mormon ah, okay which is something that like i don't know at least you know we're from nebraska like the mormons i knew in nebraska were quite dowdy <laughs> so like i don't know we're <laughs> kind of in this like same culture that i think mm-hmm. maybe exists in like a salt lake city
2: mm-hmm.
1: um but it's super interesting and just yeah that to me like lisa feels like a very natural extension of that like whole ecosystem mm-hmm. um yeah and in a way that it's like like you were saying kind of like unvarnished and applies more brawly but at the same time is like mormon specific
0: mm-hmm. um it's extremely interesting anyway yeah no i i can't wait to listen to that <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. it's good background like it's really yeah. giving me a different yeah
0: yeah i just you know something else i continue to appreciate about the show is uh that it i mean i don't know that it's sort of bringing up all of these things um seemingly like, really organically, like all of that's in terms of the way that the story is progressing and the show is mm-hmm. progressing. They're exploring all like these um, issues and this uh, like a, a culture and, and a place. Like, they're exploring this place in a yeah. way that seems it's really surprising, I think, mm-hmm. and that I wasn't sure would be satisfying, you know, because mm-hmm. uh, you know, there aren't it's not explosive really, mm-hmm. um, but I think they've they've the rhythm of the show seems to so well match the subject material totally in a way that it continues to be so satisfying and god i don't know give them an oscar i, I like I, I just think <laughs> so far it is the show is just really brilliantly done i think and uh um yeah and and it's also like maybe more curious about things like mormon instagram <laughs> culture um and, and particularly because i think it it will Will, um uh, uh i can't think of the word i think it'll help it's not another i think interesting thing to bring into the show to watching the show i think and you know into our conversations about um the show and and because i think that's a big part of it
1: yeah well it's so interesting too like i know in your attempts to sell me on real houses of new york city like so much of why that show works is location right mm-hmm. like mm-hmm culture and the internal hierarchies to New York City social life, but also the ability to, like, be luncheting anywhere at any time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I think of, like, Potomac um, or even Orange County or shows that I think, like, don't engage with the place in the same
2: way. Mm-hmm.
1: And, like, Salt Lake City, right, it engages in a way, like, differently than it is in New York, but, like, it is so location-specific in a lot of those ways that I think, like, mm-hmm. also helps it succeed.
0: Right. Absolutely.
1: That yeah. I love about it. Yeah
0: of the show Uh, (laughs) oh and in this week's there's something about mary um segment uh i think it's important to note that mary appears in two scenes Mm -hmm. in this episode um one in which she goes arrives at the fashion show by herself um and is off-putting uh and then the second is when she is that weird bit when her son comes into the kitchen and she's like you came home late and he's like yeah or basically like yeah sorry or no I didn't and then she's like okay bye and it's literally like the effect is that okay they're literally pretending and then when she and at the end when she's like okay never mind like bye that was just kind of a bit like that's what it looks like That's literally what the scene is like yeah internally it's like oh was so just a bit and then we don't see her for the rest of the episode uh-huh. one did you notice which obviously you did that we got so little of Mary and I don't know if or did you yeah. make anything of that
1: yeah I mean her relationship with her children continues to like trouble me mm. <laughs> like <laughs> she seems like because she is so like untethered from reality and because her husband seems quite frankly too old to like really actively parent I just like <laughs> worry about those kids a lot and like Mm -hmm. hope they're okay i mean like remember when they were trying to make a plot arc of her shipping her kid off to boarding school and then i guess it just didn't happen like
0: yeah
1: yeah yeah oh yeah
0: yeah i guess i do remember that
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah she's my feelings that are just grown less fond you know it's just Mm -hmm. like weird i mean she can't even like like when she goes to sit down next to Jen at the fashion show and tries to like start small talk and Jen is just like I'm not even talking to you. That's queen shit.
0: Amazing. I um, Amazing that she was just Jen realizes if I don't actually engage with you, you do literally become irrelevant. Like you can't you can't exist yep. on this show if I don't engage with you. And she's just like, No. It's <laughs> like whatever Amazing.
1: Yeah. And like <laughs> Yeah. No, I just think like, I'm ready to have less Mary honestly Mm -hmm. like I don't think she contributes a lot I think she's especially now that we have this like extremely promising Meredith drama
2: Mm -hmm.
1: I don't think Mary like to the extent that we think the show is becoming about (laughs) struggling with perfection like I don't think Mary really gets at that or like if she's not going to be honest about her backstory which you know or who she is it really keeps us from getting at that so it's just like she just pops up to give weird, like in-the-moment interviews that are completely fucking deranged and off topic. <laughs> I'm like,
0: okay. Yeah. My- what what were you saying?
1: This is not about Mary at all. But speaking of deranged in-the-moment interviews, <laughs> perhaps my favorite thing about Whitney is that like I think she's she's like very pretty, obviously. She like has this one style, but then like In her interviews with producers, she looks different kinds of completely bad shit. (laughs) Like She has the one kind of like Marilyn Monroe look, Mm -hmm. which is a nightmare. She has the one where it's like she's got the high pony and the bangs. And then for some reason, like nude lipstick, like almost her skin color and like Mm -hmm. really dark eye makeup that looks Mm -hmm. bananas. Like she looks completely insane. And like, she's (laughs) in a different costume change for community theater production, like (laughs) during each interview and none of those look like how she looks in regular life and I love it
0: yeah it's it gets me every time it's just surprising like Whitney <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and like it'll see two drastically
1: different looks like in the same segment like it'll mm-hmm. like yeah. come back to her in the show then come back to a different interview and she's like somehow now from the future you're like what the fuck is happening so good uh
0: yeah and they're uh another example of brilliance there the continuity the continuity error seems like it's actually really charming and kind of funny and weird. totally um maybe because it's one of just a handful versus a whole show seeming like a series of continuity errors <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah Ugh, i can't wait for next week i'm feeling it's gonna get so good
0: i i'm sure it will uh god such a strong run this this whole season this has just been really delightful um wow Ooh, are we going to do you know our superlative episodes usually tend to run long you know yeah. are we gonna do like a
2: sp- uh, standalone
0: superlative episode and then like come back around for um slc yeah
2: hmm we'll move we on always, that
0: Mm. Yeah, we'll figure. We can always just record one long one and then just split it up. A little peek behind the curtain, listeners. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like to give it you know, just a little big note every now and then. Just <laughs> <laughs> feel a little bit in, you know in the know. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see.
1: Totally. Well, either way, you guys should join <laughs> us next week for the batch Signal Palooza, where they get our Phantom Night one. Get our senior superlatives for Matt James' cast and potentially some explosive Real Housewives takes.
0: <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait either.
1: Uh, in the meantime, if you have any feedback for us, you should follow us on Twitter at Batch Signal and DM us or email us at thebatchsignal at gmail.com. Don't forget to give us five stars on iTunes, but only five
0: stars. And uh, tell your friends to listen to us. Yes, yes. Send our friends, send your friends our pod. <laughs> your best friends.
1: <laughs> only your best friends.
0: Only your best friends and only five your stars. Podcasts
1: for best friends only. <laughs>
0: uh, well, um, from everyone at Back to Batch Signal, mm-hmm. which is me and Kate, I uh, <laughs> wish you a happy and safe holiday. And uh, we'll see you next week.